right, so grab your Bibles. Welcome to class, okay? We're gonna teach tonight. Grab your Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter one. Now, the last time I was with you, the last time I was with you, we were teaching out of Ephesians chapter one. So I wanna continue there if I, if I can and if you will allow me to. As we were singing a few moments ago about the goodness of God, and I made the statement that that is a truth that apparently our world does not know. Because a few weeks ago, as Pastor Todd preached on the message, where are the adults? And then that Wednesday night, I kind of spun off of that. I'm going to continue in that same vein tonight. But guys, you've, you've been hearing from this pulpit every Sunday morning some type of declaration, some type of observation about the condition of our world. And the Lord, and as Pastor Todd did so beautifully even last Sunday, the Lord has warned us of what's going to happen in the last days. The Bible says, Jesus said, if they hated me, they will hate you, okay? That there'll be the spirit of offense, that there'll be betrayal. And again, this was told to us in the scriptures. And so uh, we, we can expect it to happen. But listen, we don't just throw in the hat and say, well, it's gonna happen. There's nothing we can do about it. No, our, uh, our posture must be that we are out to change a world, one life at a time if need be, all right? So we don't want to just sit down on our assignment and that is to evangelize and to bring people into this knowledge of a good God, all right? Because many of them have been lied to. Now, last time we were together, as I said, we spoke about things like this and we'll do a tiny review that we're going to go right into chapter one of Ephesians here in a moment. The reason for all the muck that we have what it really all boils down to is, is that people are looking for God. The mess that we're in, think about it, the mess that we're in, the identity mess, the position mess, uh, the, the people uh, having low self-esteem, that, uh, that whole argument, that whole mentality, people just trying to find their purpose in life. All of this has to do with Really, they're trying to find God. And if they can't find God, they just maybe end up being God themselves. They just make their own way. Amen? And I've read on several occasions, uh, several deathbed uh, situations where one was being trying to be persuaded by uh, those in the room to give their life to Christ. They're laying on deathbed. And again, I've read uh, several accounts like this. And um, in a couple of those situations, the individual said, I've made it this far without God. I can make it the rest of the way. And sadly, that is the opinion sometimes and the mentality of folks in the world. And, and so they're looking for God. And as I said, if they can't seem to find God, they become God themselves. And that's humanism in our day and time. That's new age in our day and time, right? And so, but this is a result of this right here. It's in the DNA of every human being to know God. As I said, the last time that we're together, and again, I'm kind of building because some of you may not have been here. So just allow me to kind of re rebuild that, that uh, last bit of teaching that we went over. It's in our DNA to know him because every human being is created in the image of God. So there is a God-shaped hole on the inside of us, all of us. 
okay? And so people try to fill it with all kinds of things, but it's only natural that we seek to know him, right? That's only natural. And many of us uh, had somebody kind of help us along the way. We found Jesus and uh, you're born again, but that hasn't happened to everybody. But we're created to know him. We're created to do at least three things in regard to him. That is to fellowship with him, to commune with him, and to hear him. And if we're not doing those things, then we're falling short of what we were created to do. Because as I have mentioned many, many times, especially Caneo students, we're created by him and for him. Amen? By him and for him. And watch this. Everything that we do, everything that we do in life should flow out of that intimacy with him. Wouldn't it be great that if everything we did just flowed out of the intimacy that we have with him? Because you know, you know what will happen right there? Everything we do is going to be successful. If we have a high level of intimacy with him. If we have a low level of intimacy, there's little fellowship, there's little communion, and there's little hearing him, then there's not going to be a lot of flow there. So let's purpose our lives to live out of that intimacy that we have uh, uh, that we have for him and that we have with him. Uh, the Bible tells us in John 17, 3, even Jesus said, now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. You see, Jesus even said that eternal life is knowing him. That's eternal life. And you ask anybody today, well, what's eternal life? Well, that's when we get to heaven. No. It doesn't start when we get to heaven. It starts now. The moment you come to know him, the moment you come to know him, you come into that saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, that old dead spirit comes to life. The old dead spirit comes to life. The real you comes to life. And the Bible says that we're joined together with him. How about that? You're joined together with him. And that's what happens in salvation. So Jesus says, eternal life is knowing me. Eternal life is not a home in the sweet by and by, although thank God it includes that. We got that in his ascension. Okay? But eternal life, the life in the fullness of God can start right now. And Paul mentions it in Philippians 3, 7 through 10. That's not the whole passage there, but just verse 10. But if you read Philippians 3, 7 through 10, Paul's listing all of his credentials. And we all know Paul, you know, he was the apostle of apostles. But before that, he was the Hebrew of Hebrews. And he was the Pharisee of Pharisees. And he was putting forth a great effort to go further and further and further in the Pharisaical lineage, I guess you could say. But when he came to know the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, oh, that we would all have a Paul experience, right? Or a Saul of Tarsus experience. The first thing out of his mouth was, Lord, what do you want me to do? Okay, and so he goes on to say, Everything that I was searching for, everything that I was building for, I counted as rubbish that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. So even Paul tells us that it's possible to know him, amen? And then in Jeremiah 29, 
The Bible says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. We all know that passage, right? But we don't read 12 and 13. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. All of your heart. Seeking the Lord with all of our hearts. So again, all that to say, mankind really wants God. Guys, they're looking for the supernatural. They're looking for the things of the supernatural. They're looking for the signs and the wonders. They're looking uh, for something beyond themselves. Most people will admit at least to a higher power, right? But they're just looking in the wrong places. And they're putting their faith in something that's going to uh, burn up as hay and stubble one day. All right? And so in keeping with the things that Pastor Todd listed that one Sunday morning, our big number seven, and this is where we want to kind of pick up tonight. It's our responsibility to bring them into this knowledge. It's our responsibility to do that. Now, evangelism can be the scariest thing in the world because it's, it's taking a risk because you don't ever know what they're going to do or say or ask, okay? But we do know this, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And what have we got to lose? There's a passage of scripture over in the Old Testament that talks about if we don't tell them, their blood will be on our hands. I don't know if I've ever heard that preached in a Pentecostal church before, but as a Baptist, I got it all the time. You know why? You're going to evangelize. The minute you get saved, all right, we're going knocking on doors. Let's go. Well, I just got saved two hours ago. I don't care. You know enough. Let's go. I mean, the Baptists, they're going to evangelize, okay? And so this is what the Lord has called us to do. We're going to be in keeping with that right there, that a Christian has a responsibility to share their faith. So we're going to help them. Well, how do you help them? How do you help them? You help a lost world by magnifying, glorifying, giving honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. As we said a few months ago, we just got to go tell them how good he is. And you got to show somebody how lost they are so that you can show them that they need a good God. You know, a lot of people don't know that they're even lost. You say to somebody, have you ever been, you ever been saved? You ever been born again? You ever been saved? They'll go, saved from what? Saved from what? Okay, so we've got to go, we got to take six steps back. We got to make up some lost ground and get people into the realization that when they're walking without Christ, they are in danger. And as I said a few moments ago, they've got such a warped misconception of who he is and what he's like. You need to read this sometime, but I'll give it to you just real quick. Read Deuteronomy 4 sometime. Read Deuteronomy 4. But in the, in the passage of Scripture there, Moses is talking to the children of Israel. And Deuteronomy, Canal students, y'all know, that is a review of the covenant before Moses lets them go, and they head to the promised land with Joshua. So he's reviewing the covenant with them, okay? And basically in that text, he says... He says to the children of Israel, he's telling them, remember the covenant and be obedient. And then he says to them, and I'm paraphrasing, 
You ask all of heaven if there's ever been a God that has done for you what he has done for you. And Moses lists all these things. And he says, it literally says this, you ask heaven from one side of heaven to the other, has there ever been a God that has done for you what this God has done for you? Now, don't you think that wins somebody? And guys, it's just because they don't know. They just don't know. Your most powerful weapon in an evangelism situation is your personal testimony. Just tell them what he did for you. That's powerful because they're going to associate with something that you say. And you established your lostness. But that's what you're telling them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, I'm going to ask from one end of heaven to the other, has there ever been a God that has done for us what he has done? And the answer is no. And you tell people what God has done for them. Amen? And so that brings me to our Ephesians 1, because as I told you the last time that we were together, Ephesians chapter 1 is a beautiful description of the life in, in Jesus that can be enjoyed by those that are believers. Now, I want you to understand that Ephesians chapter 1, or the whole book of Ephesians, is written to the church. So these blessings that we're going to look at, we're only going to look at six verses. We looked at the first two last time. We're only going to look at the, the first few verses, first six verses. These can only be enjoyed by those that know him. But it's enough. It's enough. And so not only that, but uh, I want you to... to to get acquainted with this passage of Scripture because it's going to build you. I know the Scripture that Pastor Sherry had us read a moment ago, that built me. That built me. That's something that we can pray back to Him and then thank Him for. Well, Ephesians chapter 1 is something that you can pray back to Him. Now remember, it's written to the church, and it's written to the church at Ephesus, which if there was a church of churches, it was Ephesus. They had it pretty much all going on. So there wasn't anything that Paul had to really rebuke them for. So he said, well, instead of, thank goodness, I don't have to give you a rebuke of any kind. Let's just talk about how good God is. And that's what he does in his writing, okay? So let's read one through six and take a look at it real quick. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to take a lot of time on these first two verses uh, because we looked at them last time. He's writing to the saints, and by that, he means the devoted ones because saint is simply a word that means devoted to the gods. But in this case, it is one that has been set apart for God through salvation. So you are a saint if you're born again. Now tell that to the world. Nobody likes to hear that, okay? It's, oh, you're, you know, a holy roller or you're better than me or whatever. No, biblically speaking, if you're born again, if you are set apart for God through salvation, you're a saint, okay? You're a saint, not a sinner saved by grace. You are a saint. You've been taken out of the first Adam and you've been placed in the second Adam, Right? So you're a saint. It's okay. 
you're going to invite that person into sainthood too. To the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. These are the faithful. Now, this is not the group of people that have been faithful. No, these are the ones who have exercised their faith in Christ and have become believers and saints. So to believers, do you understand what I'm talking about? He's writing to those saints slash believers because what he's fixing to give us are all the blessings of being a saint and a believer. Because what's listed in Ephesians chapter one, not everybody gets to pick up, pick up on. If you're lost, if a person doesn't know the Lord, he's not a saint or a believer, he's not a faithful one, he can't engage in the blessings listed there, okay? So it's the faithful and it is the saint. And then he gives them two blessings. We looked at these last time. The first one is grace. He says, grace to you. Grace to you. Because here starts the blessings. 3 through 14 are the blessings to the saint. These are the blessings we got to let the world know about. Grace to you and peace. Grace to you and peace. Okay? Grace, here's your definition. A favor freely done out of the heart of the giver with no expectation or claim of anything in return. Isn't that what Jesus did? That is his grace. He certainly did us a favor by dying on that cross that came out of his heart. He was the giver. And he said, you don't have to do anything in return. Which lets us know that salvation comes through faith in the cross. It's not in works, lest any man should boast, right? And so this type of grace is really, it's unheard of. Generally speaking, it is a favor that would be done for a friend, but never for an enemy. And the Bible is clear in Romans, in the book of Romans, it talks about how we, we were an enemy of God before we came into the saving knowledge of him, right? And so the grace that he displays and displayed for us is a grace that would only be extended, certainly maybe to a friend, but never to an enemy. John speaks of it in 1 John 3, 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. What manner of love? Behold, what manner. That phrase right there means this is impossible. This is foreign to us. What kind of love is this? And guys, don't ever let that grow old or cold on the inside of you what Jesus did on the cross, okay? Now, my background, I'm cross all the way. I'm cross, blood, atonement, cross all the way, amen? And we don't want that to ever grow cold. It is a foreign kind of love because you gotta understand he did what he did knowing that we would do what we do and still did it. Still did it, okay? Jesus, Father, and Holy Spirit decided on redemption's plan in eternity past. Jesus submitted to it. Father put it into place, and Holy Spirit said, now when you ascend, y'all know Holy Spirit got the short end of the stick, right? Jesus, when you ascend, I'll go live on the inside of them, and I'll walk with them 
forever and ever and ever and ever. And the whole time, in the back of their minds, they're thinking, we know we will be rejected. We know we will be scoffed and scorned. And then you think about, and denied and betrayed, then you think about what the father, what father had to think about his son. Right? Okay, so let me just speak from my heart for a minute. I got two boys. I got two boys. And if I thought that I was going to have to put one of my boys through, listen, just a fraction of that and sit back and let it happen, watching it, knowing that I could send all the angels of heaven to rush in and stop it and know all along that they will hate him nonetheless and let it happen. Let it happen. And then say, I will forget your sins and plant them as far as the east is to the west. And that doesn't mean some type of amnesia, like he'll just forget. No, the Bible says, according to the Hebrew language, the word forget there means he'll choose to not recollect. That being me, I'd say, hey, you, come here. We're going to have a conversation. Let me tell you what you did to put my son on that cross. And God said, I'll never do that. Don't let the cross ever grow cold or old because what manner of love was that? It's foreign. Nobody loves like that, right? And then he says, I'll give you peace. And we looked at this. Peace. Undisturbed well-being. A state of untroubled, undisturbed well-being. There, uh, the, uh, the word peace in its verb form means to join. And isn't it true, Miss Barbara, that when we're out of peace or when, when we're disjointed, we're out of peace? But when he brings all pieces of our life back into place, we come back into peace. My goodness, peace. He is peace. You have those times, I've had them recently. If you haven't had them, if you're a part of this church, they're coming because we're an apostolic voice in this community and you guys are movers and shakers in the kingdom. So attacks come, right? So sometimes you feel fragmented. You feel like you just got pieces of you all together. But when he pulls you in under his grace and he pulls you in under his peace and he joins you back together, you just rest in him. It's just an unbelievable peace. And so these are two of the blessings, two of the many blessings that are, that are um, embraced by and experienced by the redeemed. Only the redeemed, Ephesians, only the redeemed, only the church gets to experience this. But the world needs it, right? Check this out, out of Colossians 1.20, by him to reconcile all things to himself, created by him for him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood. There it is again, I'm trying to tell y'all it's all about the blood, amen? And so not only do we get grace through the blood, but we get his peace through the blood. On the cross, he bought peace. On the cross, he bought peace. So again, just two of the blessings. Now, let me finish up. I'm, we're only gonna go to verse six. 
Imagine if we did the whole book. We'd be on this thing a whole year, amen? But this is my favorite kind of teaching, verse upon verse, line upon line, precept upon precept. I love it, okay? So check this out, verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed. That literally means to speak well of. So this passage of scripture could be uh, quoted this way. Let the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ be well spoken of. Let the world know what he's like. When we bless the Lord, that means we speak well of him. That's what it means, okay? Hebraically, and even here in a Greek text, it means to speak well of him. When we bless the Lord, we're gonna speak well of him. And Kaneo students, we've learned how the Hebrews pray, how they bless the Lord, right? We've learned that, how to bless the Lord. Even, even when they go to the restroom, they have a prayer where they bless the Lord. I kid you not. Right, Amber? We know it. We know that prayer. Because they bless the Lord for everything. So blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let the world hear you bless the Lord. Just to bless the Lord. Because the only way that we can bless him is through word. We can't do enough deeds to bless him. It's not about works anyway. Because remember I said it's about intimacy. It's about relationship with him. So blessing the Lord. When we bless the Lord, we're speaking well of him. This is why you need to bless the Lord. Because everybody thinks God looks like that. Everybody thinks he's this old, wrinkled, cold, cranky looking something sitting in heaven with a snarled face, his arms are crossed and he's daring you to say anything to him. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Speak of his goodness, right? The world needs to know we're going to bless the Lord and who are only the people that can really bless the Lord? The redeemed, the saint and the faithful. That's really the only ones that can bless the Lord because you can bless the Lord because you've experienced his blessings. And that's the next part of the verse. Look at that. Who has blessed us. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing because here's how it goes. When he blesses us, it's not that he speaks well of us, but that he does good to us. I like that. Because you know what? He might not be able to speak well of us. But he can bless us. So when, get this, you got to practice this. It'll change your life. It'll change your life. Won't it, Aaron Rafus? 31 thanks to the Lord and blessing the Lord over a cell phone one day. He just looked at his cell phone and he said, God, show me the, the many ways I can bless you for, for this device, this technology. And came up with like 30 different the 30 different ways to bless the Lord over something that God had given him. This will change your life. So blessing the Lord, we bless the Lord with our words. But in, 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 in turn, he blesses us with good things. The Bible says with every spiritual blessing. I'm not gonna get done. Tell y'all right now. 
I know, Jerry, I might just have to take you up on that tonight because you know, Pastor Todd and Pastor Marty are here. But anyway, we can't do that. But, but, but are y'all getting this right? Post game. Yeah, there you go. More later. But I want us to practice that, right? That we're blessing the Lord. You just bless him. Just going down the road. Just blessing the Lord. Watch this, because we can practice this at Christ Fellowship. We can do this. Let's say somebody comes, they get in the water, they're sick. They're getting the water, okay? Let's say that they don't get an instant miracle, right? Where we get those reports all the time. Somebody wakes up the next morning and it was gone, they say. Or they go back to the doctor and it was gone, they say, right? But how about the person that says, just like Pastor Jeff Lyle, come to think of it, still went through the surgery, Still had to go through the surgery. Him and many others, whatever the case was. Still had to go through the surgery. Still did some chemo. Still may be on medication. Still pushing through. But they're here. They're alive. They're walking. They did it. You know, they pushed through, glory to God, right? Jerry, you're in medicine, right? Sometimes, sometimes it's medicine that God works in cooperation with. But can you bless him for that? You absolutely can bless him for that. And here's how you do it. You say, God, you're the only God that could give mankind a brain like that, that could figure out what that person needed. And God, you once again used humanity to work through. And we give you all the glory because we're gonna ask from one side of heaven to the other, is there any other God ever known to man that has done for us what you have done? That's how you bless the Lord. Don't you let anybody say, well, God didn't heal them. They still had to have the surgery. Uh Uh-uh. No, he was standing right there. You take a scalpel in your hand and try to cut on somebody and work a work without the presence and the power and the wisdom of God. That's God. That's God, and you give him glory. And then he blesses us. He blesses us with giving us things. He he gives us deeds. He does deeds unto us. Well, what does he give us? Every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. He does well unto us. It's our words versus his deeds. Every spiritual blessing. And and this literally means, every spiritual blessing, it literally means gifts and blessings from Holy Spirit. Now watch this. It's about to get good. I got eight minutes, okay? This literally means that the blessings that he gives us are from Holy Spirit and produced by Holy Spirit. So go to bed tonight thanking him right there for that. Lord, I thank you that you have blessed me with every spiritual blessing. Now you've got some, but there are more to come, right? I mean, it's endless what Holy Spirit can bring, all kind of gifts. He can bring fruit, 
The Bible tells us in John that he guides us, he comforts us, he tells us what's going on in the heavenlies, that he glorifies Jesus. Those are all blessings. And the Bible says also that he has blessed us with everything that we need for godly living. I just can't seem to overcome. I just can't, I just can't, I just in a cycle. No, he's already blessed you with everything you need for godly living. And so until you find it, you thank him for it. Lord, I thank you that the word says you've blessed me with everything I need for godly living. I thank you, Lord, you're going to help me find everything I need for godly living. It's there. Okay? And so it's from Holy Spirit, and it is by Holy Spirit. But here's the beauty of it. Look at it. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. <laughs> what? In the heavenly places. Everything that he has for you is in heaven. It's in heaven. Everything that he has for you, every gift is in heaven. Now, this is what it's not. It's not like the heavenlies. Because you know there are three heavenlies. There are three heavens. The scripture insinuates three heavens. Three levels of heaven. Three realms, however you want to say it. But it's not even. Which it would be wonderful if it was this heaven. Right? That'd be wonderful. The gifts are there. But there's another realm of heaven. And Paul talks about it. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or whether out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Such one was caught up into the third heaven. Your spiritual blessings are in that third heaven because they are in the presence of God. It doesn't mean that the blessings that God gives us, that their origin is in heaven, but they're actually seated in the heavens in the presence of God. That's where Holy Spirit finds himself oftentimes because he says that he will testify of the things that he hears. So if he's hearing something, he's in the presence of God as well. So Holy Spirit has got blessings, in the heavenlies, and he brings them to you. Isn't that amazing? So the blessings are from the Holy Spirit. They are of the Holy Spirit, and they're sought out and brought to us by Holy Spirit in Christ. These things are grounded in Jesus. And because you're in him, you are eligible for them. Now, the lost man is not eligible for them. There's no spiritual blessing. They're awaiting him. Because Jesus said, I came to seek and to save all that are lost. But one has to appropriate that Calvary experience, become a saint and a faithful, and then they too can enjoy these. Amen? But this is where the world is right now. They don't know the blessings of God. They don't know the blessings of God. I mean, you could choke on verses one through three, right? You could just choke on that. 
I'm going to give you one more because I have three minutes. You ready? Can we do one more? Look at verse four. So let's connect three and four because it's going to sound weird. And by the way, as I told you last time, verses three through 14 are one sentence. It's one sentence in the original text, okay? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. This is another blessing. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He chose us. He chose us. Amen? Now, when you are born again, you are the chosen. He loves everybody. Came to seek and to save all that are lost. Okay? So when you get born again, you're part of the chosen. The chosen. See, it just keeps coming up. I can't help it. Okay? But I want you to understand the beauty of this word right here. That he chose you. He chose you. Now, the Greek word choose, he chose us, or what is the text there? That he, yeah, he chose us in him. It means to select for oneself. Now, that's beautiful, right? To select for oneself. He chose us to select for oneself. But, but the, 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 the richness of this phrase, and once you understand this, this is what makes it so wonderful. It's actually hidden in the Greek language, the grammar structure of this phrase that he chose us. Because Greek verbs carry what's called a voice, a voice tense and a mood. This, has, this carries what's known as the middle voice. What does that mean? If a Greek verb is standing in the middle voice, it means the one doing the action receives the benefit of the action. So who's doing the choosing? Jesus. He chose us, right? So the one doing the action, Jesus, receives the benefit of the action, Jesus. Now see, we thought all of our lives that it was, it was great that he chooses me because that's going to benefit me. That's a wonderful blessing, and it is. But you got to turn that thing according to the original language and look at the intent of the writer. Holy Spirit knew what he was saying when he told uh, Paul to write this. You tell them that Jesus thinks that it is to his advantage that he has chosen Amanda Kramer. And Amanda's saying, oh, it's my advantage that Jesus saved me. Nope, Jesus said... I look at it like it's to my advantage that all of these people have believed in me and are now saints and they're faithful. That's my advantage. Well, how is that his advantage? Because he has saved you and you know of all of these blessings and he's filled you with the Holy Spirit and now you can go out into all the world and carry his glory which is your purpose on the earth. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But when those that have sinned come into a salvation relationship, now you can hit your target 
the glory of God. Carrying the glory. You get it? Romans says, for all have sinned and fallen short of what? The glory of God. His intent was for his creation and not just trees and birds. You to carry his glory. That's how his glory fills the earth. It does fill the earth in mountains and oceans and rivers and seas and landscapes. It does fill the earth that way. But he wants to fill the earth through you. So he chose us in him. I see it as a great advantage to me, he said, that all these children are now born again. Isn't that good? Wow, so good. All right, let's stand and pray. I got to stop. So y'all hear Pastor Todd's going to say, how'd she do? Well, she went one minute over. Well, what'd she preach on? She preached on three verses. Three. That's okay. Because we get the meat out of it, right? This stuff will change your life. So now meditate. We'll meditate on these things. And tomorrow, when we go out in the marketplace, it's going to start bubbling up. Because you're going to cross, come across someone that needs to know of his goodness. And you're going to go, oh, listen to all these things that you could enjoy as you come into a knowledge of saving knowledge of him. Amen? All right, let's just pause for a moment. I'm going to let you go. But let's just wait for just a minute, okay? Lord, help us to be faithful to forever and every day put your word like this before us because the world is growing darker and darker and your word is light and we're going to need that light to remind us of who you are, what you've done and what you still do. The atmosphere is going to get confusing because there's so many voices that are beckoning for our attention. May we keep your word and your voice, that still small voice, right in front of us, ever present. May we go back and read passages like Pastor Sherry led us through tonight. And may we eat on that like bread. And may we drink that like water. So church, it's going to take an effort. You've got to say every day, he is who he, 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 I am who he says I am. I will do what he says that I, can, I will do. I'll go where he tells me to go. I am the redeemed. And my redeemer is the holy one of Israel. And Isaiah 41 says that he'll hold my hand, that he will help me, and I am not to fear. And I'm going to ask all of heaven, from one end of heaven to the other, is there any other God that has done for me what you've done? And the answer will be no, and I will bless you for it. Father, I speak your blessings over these people and these sweet people in this church. Lord, we've got the best church in the world as every week they sacrifice to see others helped. What manner of love is that? kind of love is foreign. But I thank you that they display it every single week. Bless them, fill them up, 
Fill them up, fill them up, fill them up, fill them up. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Very good.